Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Oster Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what's poppin'? Ooh, another day, another dollar. Shadow FSU, Jackson's going to FSU, let's go Cardinals. Wow, <clears throat> just like that, well, they're the Seminoles. Right, Chris Ricks, best quarterback of all time. You must have hung out with Chris Ricks back in the day, because I'm pretty sure I went to a Sugar Bowl. True story. Oh my gosh! In 2002, it was that like 2002, 2003, yeah, four time, era time yeah. frame. Yeah. Long story short, do you know who was the quarterback of the Sugar Bowl? They lost that game to University of Georgia. Mm. It was a Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah, all Pro. Okay, I do not know where this is going. Wide receiver. Oh, okay. But name of Anquan Bolden. Yeah, shout out Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden <laughs> had to play quarterback in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st, 2002. Yeah. Because Chris Ricks yeah. failed a class. Um. Yeah, you know, he's probably taking like a double advanced AP or something. Maybe. Maybe, John, except for AP is something you take in high school. Speaking of high school, yes, my son, my wife, and I drove up to Tallahassee, Florida, so that he could entertain whether or not he wanted to, as he says, make his commitment oh my to gosh. Florida State. Really? Are you going to have like a national signing? I mean, it's an academic commitment, right? It's not an athletic commitment. Hold on. Are you going to have like a signing day at your house, like in the living room, just with the Owen family, three hats? So you have to understand that he is my kid, right? At the end of the day, he shares my DNA, my wife's DNA, probably up you know, up, up the ladder, my dad, her dad. Uh, right, right. He is definitely his own person. He is not oh, me. Sure, he is yeah. not her. Yes. You've met him. He's, hung a, out with him. Yeah. He's very laid back. Yes. But the one thing that he shares is sometimes my kind of out of left field humor. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what, dad, on my birthday, his birthday's in March. He goes, on my birthday, I'm going to have a signing. <laughs> like, I told like you. I'm going to have two hats, two hats or three hats. Oh, and I'm going to let everyone know where I'm going to and school. And just to let you know, I've decided to take my talents to Seminole State University College. Hey, that may be. That may be. Don't knock it. I'm not. That's a great. Me and Aja, Aja and I were thinking about taking a cooking class there. You should. Yeah, I once took a uh, intro into guitar. Really? There, and I was the oldest person there by like two or three decades, <laughs> and I made it through about two or three classes, and I quit going. Really? Hence it's... why I still cannot play the guitar. Okay, but I really, I'm curious because I'm enthralled with going back to the collegiate experience as an adult, knowing what I know, and just sitting in a classroom full of like what I would perceive as toddlers. How was that experience? Was it like, what the hell am I doing? Well, here? but this was like your cooking class. It was not a like 4,000 level right, course. Okay. It was truly a course being taught at the, at the college for anybody. And by anybody, like nine-year-olds were in there, twelve-year-olds really? were in there. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm doing it now. You and I was me. like the one old dude in there. Like, yeah. there's certain things I've done. Like when my daughter and I were barrel racing on Sundays. Okay, I was the old one. I was like the only dude out there because <laughs> typically it's a female-dominated sport. Right. And then by far, I was the only dad. Oh like they gosh. were all teen, preteens. And then there's me with my pasty, pale, bald head, <laughs> wrinkles, gray beard, etc. I didn't care though. Look, I love awesome. horses. Yeah, right. I love to go fast. Yeah. I love to be in the arena. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to spend quality time with my and daughter. That's kind of what that. that kind of that's kind of what matters. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I taught her some very good self-defense lessons on that 45-minute drive Sunday morning to the barn. I'm sure she was hey, thrilled to hear it. Thumbs to the eyeballs and gouge, bite, scream, kick. Yeah. 
you your know fist to the hey. bridge of the nose. Hey, that's why we have this WWF belt. I refuse Ooh. to call it WWE because that's what saves pandas. Let's get it straight. No, WWE, sorry. Yeah, it, it, WWF is what you and I grew up knowing yeah, that's it That's what as. it is, the world. They lost a, a lawsuit. Bullshit. Vince McMahon lost a lawsuit. I think he's going to lose a bunch of more lawsuits nah, coming yeah, up. He's about to lose a lot. Or he's going to have to do a, <laughs> a lot, lot of settlements. Yeah, a lot of settlements. Right. Yeah, there's a really cool story behind this belt. Just know this, it was one. This belt was one. It was shipped from New Mexico. Oh, wow. To Wisconsin, from Wisconsin back to Florida. And it was one. This is a legit belt. It's heavy. For those of us watching on YouTube, this is DL Segway. For those of, of those of you watching us on YouTube, we thank you. Please like, share, and subscribe. For those of you just listening on listening to us on your favorite audio podcast, we thank you. However, we do have a website called TLOP Online. That's T-L-O-P online.com. It has a plethora of additional content there. We look forward to you joining either as a freemium member or as a premium member. That was fantastic, John. You should do that more often. Only 270 episodes in. Dio, what is the topic for today's episode? Because people do not give a shit about uh, this belt. We we know Lucy <laughs> the Lender doesn't give two Lucy? shits, but you know who may? Who? Courtney. Shout out Courtney. Yes. Misner. You already forgot. Courtney <laughs> Misner. You had that look in my eye like, please don't. Well, because her Instagram handle isn't Courtney Misner. Courtney approves or something. It is Courtney approves. I call her Courtney with Caliber in yeah. the Caliber crew. Shout out Caliber crew. Yeah, all the way up in the Pacific Northwest. Back West. Yes. Like, she is a T-lopper. T-lopper for life. She's one of our homies. Home girl. We got to hang out with her. Yeah. And so many other people a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas. Yes. And she was the one. That when we wrapped up the oh, first episode after coming back did, and we, we threw left, out some some shout outs, out. I literally threw this this Cop, copper mug. This copper mug down. Actually, it wasn't this one. It's the other one. I have right, two of them, by right. the way. And I threw it across the room, dented it, because mm -hmm. I was so angry at myself for leaving Courtney off. So, Courtney, here we have an entire segment dedicated to you. Thank you for being a true diehard fan. She was. She actually brought two... Of her colleagues. Right, and got them her. in the mix. Put them in the mix. Yeah, she was like, hey, look, if you're not tuned into T-Lop, you're missing out. And they're like, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you can tell we're terrible with names because I've already forgot both their names. It's fine. We'll have space on the next episode to shout them out, too. <laughs> yeah, so hey, just, yeah. hit me up, Courtney. Tell me who else I missed out on. Oh, they will. Oh, beautiful. All right, let's get rolling. Okay. Today's, what are we talking about, John? Today's episode is about trusting and empowering others, our favorite thing to do. Empowering others? Yeah. Is it really? Do you know how to empower somebody? No, I don't because every time I ask someone to do it, something, I they don't do it like I would like to be done, so I just do it myself. Yeah, and that's a mentality that so many others share. Yeah. Like, you legitimately share that, mm -hmm. right? You could do it or you could have someone else do it. Like, well, I'm going to do it because it'll get done right. Right. Well, most times, most times of like toiletry and shit, like I'll pay someone to do it. But when they get to my house and I know what I'm paying and I see the work they do, I'm like, shit. I could have watched a YouTube video and done it. So, by the way, I think toiletries is something that you pack in your luggage when you and I are going on trips, like when we head up to Nashville in a couple of weeks. Yes. If you're speaking about plumbing, like plumbing, that's there the we go. toiletries. Toiletry. <laughs> hey, hey, you got one of those guys and girls who specialize <laughs> in toiletries? toiletries? Like, yeah, what do you need? A razor? Some nah, perfume? Like my toilet that shit is backed up. Oh, a plumber. <laughs> a plumber, John. Yeah, a plumber. Yes. Yes. No, there's definitely certain things from just an ROI standpoint that we should hire out. Right. That's something most people don't do enough of. They Correct. Don't run an ROI. What is your time worth? Mm -hmm. We've done episodes on that in the past. As you shouted out, we have over 270. Yeah. That you should be checking out, sharing, consuming, sharing again, yeah. liking, All thumbs upping, everything, <laughs> yeah. commenting. Yeah. Even if you don't like it. Like, I appreciated we did an episode that yeah. was off color. Yes, it was. Hey, it was fringe. Yes. It was pushing the envelope. We mm -hmm. went PG-13. Yeah. 
straight up called an episode sell like a stripper. I understand going into it, it wasn't going to be for everybody. Correct. But I understood that we were going to keep it as classy as we could mm -hmm. and that there would be many that appreciated it or resonated Correct. with it. Or it could have been it attracted a new audience who now will go back and consume another 250 plus episodes right. that they otherwise were going to be missing. Hopefully we didn't push anyone out of the circle yeah. because they recognize that this was one piece of a large body of work. Huge body of work. So on that note, you have an issue empowering mm -hmm. other people. Most entrepreneurs, if you were to read a book like The E-Myth, which by the way, it's a book I would recommend I can't recommend it as strongly as I recommend books like Atomic Habits or Never Split the Difference or Extreme Ownership or even Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. Like there's probably a dozen books I could recommend. This one doesn't fit the first dozen, but maybe the Baker's dozen. And mm -hmm. it's called The E-Myth. There's a guy who introduced it to me back in the day. I was coaching with this guy named Kai McBride. Shout out to Kai. Shout out Kai. And he made me read the book. And the premise of the book is teaching somebody how to get away from the solopreneur mentality and actually becoming an entrepreneur mm. is there's a big difference. And this is what today's show is going to be, is going to encapsulate, encapsulate. Thank you. It's a big word for me, John, <laughs> especially on a Monday. <laughs> and the theory is this, you are the best at what you do. Nobody can do it better. An example would be the guy who cuts my lawn. I hire him because he's great at taking care of my lawn. Mm -hmm. No one can take care of my lawn the way that he does. Mm -hmm. And if he shares that same mentality that I share, there's only one of him. Even if he has a crew, there's only one crew that he runs. Mm -hmm. They can only take care of so many yards before they max out. Mm -hmm. Once they max out, they flatline. Well, in business, if you're not growing, you are dying. dying and the e-myth basically teaches that person's not an entrepreneur, that person's self-employed. They mm. work for themselves. So you can start taking that particular idea where I use a landscaper and you could say, well, a baker. So-and-so bakes the best cakes. Amazing. Amazing cakes. And when she or he leaves whatever pastry place that they're, they're baking and they go out on their own, are they doing so because they want to be like everything but cakes that sold for $250 million? Right. Or are they doing so because at the end of the day, they want to continue to make cakes but work for themselves? Mm. But at which point, there's only one you. And if people are coming to you because you make the cakes, it's your hands, it's your decorating, it's your icing, it's your recipe, then you're going to flatline in terms of your trajectory. Mm -hmm. So the E-Myth states, hey, you're not an entrepreneur. We can talk about realtors. We can talk about loan officers. Yeah. We can talk about just about any business, especially a small business. And if you are the product, just understand there's only so far you can go. For some people, they're cool with that. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I have good news for you. You can tune us out. Tune up. You can turn us off. You can go find one of the previous episodes that maybe resonates more to you. Yeah. But if there's somebody out there that say, no, I want more. I deserve more. I'm willing to fight for more. Then the very first thing that we should discuss is where's your mindset as it pertains to empowering and trusting others. 
to do what you also do. And the counter to that, are you willing to live with the consequences? Mm. So let's use some real life stories. I talked about the guy who does my lawn mm -hmm. and how for the most part, it's him. He has a crew of three. There's only so many lawns they can do. At some point, if he is unhappy with the trajectory of his company, unhappy with the money that he's making, unhappy that his life kind of feels like it's stuck in purgatory from a financial standpoint, the only way that he can scale is to go out and purchase another truck, more equipment, mm -hmm. and hire someone to take over his current accounts so that he can go and get some new ones and sell and market to get some new ones. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, he may very well lose some, some of his clients. I don't like this new guy you hired. I'm going to go to somebody else. Why aren't you cutting my loan anymore? Correct. That may very well happen. We all know what Pareto's principle is, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, explain to the audience. Oh, you'll do better. I'll butcher it. You're the 80-20 rule. Oh, yeah, 80-20. I was right there. <laughs> you were right there. <laughs> yeah. I knew you said you would butcher my I'm not going to let you butcher this one, John. All right, all right. Yeah, Pareto's principle is the 80-20 rule. It, doesn't, it applies to everything in life. 80% of crime is committed by 20% mm -hmm. of the populace. 80% of income is earned by 20% of the populace. Right. So the 80-20 rule is going to apply just about everything. That's why it's called Pareto's principle. Pareto was the person who formulated it, mm -hmm. came up with the data, the research, made the hypothesis, and then tested it out. And it's basically state, you're correct. John, if my landscaper has 100 clients and he quits mowing their lawn, he has his number two, mm -hmm. by the way, which is what I would do. Hey, who's the number two guy on my on my crew? Right. The number two guy or girl on my crew knows how I like things done. Right. They know the route. They know the routine. Mm -hmm. They know the customers. They know who's going to complain, who's not going to complain, right. who wants to come out and talk your ears off, who's going to act like they're not home, even though they're not home and their invoice is like 30 days late. <laughs> right. Right? They know all of that. But if 20 of those people quit using my company because it's not me doing the service, I need to be okay with that. Because what I'm going to do with the time that is now alleviated from me no longer mm -hmm. having to run the crew, I'm going to go out and sign up 100 more accounts. But you know what these 100 accounts are used to? Hmm. The way I do things today. Right now, not before. Yes. Yeah, so I can sell it. I can market it. I can be the face. But I can let them know that my team, my crew mm -hmm. will be there. Because maybe I took, I remember I said I had myself and two or three other people on my crew. I took the number one and he's running the mm -hmm. the accounts we already had in place. I'm going to take the number two mm -hmm. and she's going to run yeah. all these new, new accounts. accounts yeah. But all they know is the way that she does it with her own crew. That's all they know. That's all they know. So I had a choice to make. I could have stayed where I was and kept all 100 of my clients super happy because they worked with me. They liked me. Mm -hmm. I was the talent, but I was stuck. Or I could have taken my number one, pushed him up to, to, to lead, mm -hmm. taken my number two, pushed her over to, to running a new team, hired and trained their replacements, and then I went out and signed up 100 more accounts. Mm -hmm. I now have 100 new accounts, and I have 80 that I retained. Well, what number is bigger, 180 or 100? 180. 180. What did I have to do? Well, I had to empower others to lead, and I had to trust that they wouldn't screw it up. That's two very powerful words. Mm -hmm. Now, along the way, I don't blindly trust. No, there's a saying in business. I have to 
inspect what I expect. So I would make a statement that both my crew members who are now running their own crews mm -hmm. understand how I like things done because they've worked with me, whether it's for nine months or 12 years, they've mm -hmm. been on my team. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have to spend too much time laying out the expectations, but I'm going to do so. Mm -hmm. As a leader, I'm going to sit down with each of them up front and then monthly, and we're going to review what's our culture, what are our standards, what are our core values, mm -hmm. and then I can go behind them and, and I can check as the owner of the business. In this, in this case, we're talking about landscaping still. Things that I can do is pick up the phone and spot check by calling the, my clients and checking in, hey, how's my crew doing for you? Mm -hmm. are, is everything up to par? Mm. I can also get in my truck or my car and drive around. Drive by, yeah. And I, I can drive by and check some things out. And if I don't like them, hey, I can make notes. We can meet about it in the morning before they, they get their day started. Mm -hmm. I can send them back out there. Hey, you kind of half-assed this. Go back out and do it. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I had to do is be willing to, A, think like a business owner, not like a solo operator. And then take action to think like a business owner. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? You follow me so, have, follow me so I far? Do. I have the best rebuttal. I'm just waiting to drop it on you. Drop it. Are you ready? Yeah. Because this is what I find what happens. Dio, I want to grow. I want to empower others. But you know what happens? When I inspect their work, I find, my spouse, I find myself spending more time correcting their mistakes had I just, instead of had I just gone out and done it myself. So I feel like I'm spinning my wheels constantly checking what I inspect from others, making sure to get up to my standards, but I find myself that's all I do rather than in, in, I should have just done the task to begin with. Yep. Coach them up or coach them out. That's your role, John. If I was coaching you, you need to coach them up. You're not going to do that. No, they're going to come back on Saturday and do it, or they're going to come back on Sunday and do it, or they're going to get to work at 5 a.m. so that they can be at that house at 6, and then they can start their route at 7. It's going to get done. It's not going to get done by you. Mm. No, you have to make it a little bit painful. You can be polite and professional, but you, when you inspect what you expect and you don't, you don't like what you see, mm -hmm. it's a learning opportunity and two things will happen. They will either get better or they will get going. So you have to be the person who's willing to do that. Now, you might not have that bandwidth. You might not have that skill set. That might not be in your wheelhouse of things you like to do. At which point, that's where it's like, hey, owning a business and running a business is no small feat. I mean, Biggie said it, more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to be willing to take on a different set of problems. You're going to have to be able to exchange, hey, I didn't used to have to lay in bed worrying about these two or three issues I have with some of our associates. I used to be able to go to bed no, and just uh, fall asleep. Right. Oh, but I used to be able to go to bed and fall asleep because I was sunburnt, I was worn out, and I and and I didn't want to think about the bills I couldn't pay. So I just, you know, yeah. had a couple sips from <laughs> uh, from Grandpa's cough medicine, right. and uh, called it a night. Like right. you're trading off. Mm -hmm. It's it's different. Right. Okay. So that's the first thing I would tell you about inspecting what you expect is is getting good at management. Now, if you are a manager, now you have to ask yourself: Well, you are a great lawn technician. Amazing. Yeah, it took you years to probably get that good. You may have started when you were 14, and now you're 34. You've been at it for 20 years. Yeah. You're not a great manager. You've probably never taken a course on it. You probably don't have any experience, and you probably haven't read a book. So the first things you can do is start reading books because they're cheap, sometimes free if you go to the public library. Yeah. Peter Drucker is a 
big old school name in the management world. So is John Maxwell on leadership. Mm -hmm. And you should just start reading those types of books because you do not have to start focus on becoming a good manager and a good leader. Also, there are coaching groups in every profession that you can join. There are masterminds that you can join. Don't try to do it alone. No, like exchange your money for time. You can purchase the time necessary to learn something, then purchase it. If it's 15 grand or five grand or 1500 bucks, it's a great investment of your money because something could take you three years to figure out on your own, mm -hmm. or you could spend $15,000 to learn it over the next 12 weeks. Well, if it takes you three years, you're delaying the inevitable. You have what's called an opportunity cost there. Right. So now, hey, you didn't spend 15 grand, good for you. You also missed out on 150 or $300,000 of revenue right. that you could have been picking up had you just been willing to find a way. There's a way to find a way, by the way. Like you can find a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find a way to that $15,000. Borrow it, cut back, pick up a side hustle where you're bartending over the weekend until you can save the necessary funds to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think sacrifice was something that I haven't spoken about in this. Mm -hmm. We're talking about scaling businesses at the end of the day. Right. Does, I'm using a a lawn care business. I promise you I'm a segue into mortgage and real estate here in a second, but I use lawn care because it's the most simple business that most people start when they're teenagers. Right. So you can take that business and you can scale it up. I use another analogy of someone being a baker. I stole the baker one from the book, the E-Myth. Like that's one of the chapters that really stood out the most to me, even mm -hmm. 10 years later right. was you're reading about the baker and the difference between she was a great technician, but she was a terrible business operator. She, in fact, was a great technician who loved her, her, her job when she was just a technician working for another bakery. She hated her job when, <laughs> right, when, when she came, went out on her own. Right. And what she realized is that she wasn't made to be an entrepreneur. Right. She was made to be a great baker. baker yeah. And that's where she needed to say that was her lane. Mm -hmm. And when she figured that out, what she had to give up was the dream or the false hope that she was gonna one day be able to sell her company for $250 million like nothing but the cakes. Right. Yeah. So back on, you know, speaking about leadership and management and empowering and trusting, like that's all of that goes hand in hand. What do good leaders do? They empower others to do what they need to do, and they trust them to do as good of a job as they can do as it's compared to what the actual founder could do. Mm -hmm. So my point being here is if I'm supposedly so great at what I do, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and I can train you to be 90% as good as me, 90% as good as me, if I was really that good, should still be in the top 5% of my industry or the top 10% of my industry. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't want to work with someone who's in the top 10% of what they do? So when someone wants to give us pushback, oh, well, no one's as good as me. Cool, they're not. You're right, John. You're right. No one's as good as you. But if you're so good, are you telling me you can't become so good at training, developing, and managing someone to be at least 85 to 90% as good as you? And if you're as good as you say you are, John, is 85 to 90% as good as you still in the top 5 or 10% in your entire industry? And if that's the case, that should be really good in something you can go sell, something you can go mm -hmm. market. And I was speaking of hard work. It is going to be hard work, especially for those first two years of the transition. There's that number again, the number two. I'm a huge proponent. It takes two years. I don't care what it is. It takes two years. 
on Friday of this week. So it's October 10th today. This will be released on October 11th. On Friday, I drive to Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm competing in an Ironman event. 70.3, so technically it's a half Ironman. That's a 1.2-mile swim. It's a 56-mile bike. And it is a 13.1-mile run. Let's go. All consecutive. It's going to take me somewhere between six to seven hours. Seven hours if I absolutely bomb. Six hours if I crush it. Mm-hmm. Do you think I woke up and I trained for 12 weeks for that? I would hope not. No. I started training for this three years ago. I just didn't know I was training for it. Three years ago, I started getting my ass in shape. Mm-hmm. So I started walk running. And then I started walk running and I hopped on my old ass Huffy that I bought from Walmart <laughs> back in 2008. Right. And then when that Huffy broke, because I rode it too much, and it was a crappy bike, and I got to where I went from walk running to running, uh, my body started hurting. So I was like, damn it, I have to do something else. Let me figure out how to swim. So I watched YouTube videos, and I learned to swim. And then next thing you know it, I ran in a 15K. Then I signed up for a half Ironman, and then that got canceled due to COVID. So I signed up for another half Ironman, and then that got canceled for COVID. Then I signed up for another half Ironman, or not Ironman, a marathon, marathon yeah. the whole time. And then I got COVID, so I couldn't run in it. Right. Finally, I got to com- com- complete my first half marathon, right. although I trained for three of them and got my body ready <laughs> yeah. for it. That led me to gaining the confidence to say, you know what? Screw it. You've been running, biking, and swimming for the last three years. You've already completed several in training in one race, mm-hmm. half marathons. You should just sign up for a half Ironman. Mm. And I did. But... When someone looks at, hey, Dio, how long did you train? I may answer it 12, 12 weeks because that was my training in terms of mm-hmm. like getting ready for the 70.3. But I actually started training three years ago. Mm-hmm. Rookie loan officers, how much time do I tell them it takes? Two years. Two years. I met today with the real estate investment company that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. They're on month 34, and one of the owners just took his first distribution check. Damn. That's his first money he has made as an owner of this company. It was a sizable check. It was a $29,000 check. But for 34 months of his involvement, and he's finally taken a check. So when you're transitioning from being that technician who is a solopreneur, and you are trying to scale up by trusting and empowering others, please know it doesn't happen overnight. The same work, effort, and energy that you put in at launching your company, that my buddy put in to his real estate investment company, that I just put into training for this half Ironman, you're going to need that because you're going to be learning a new skill set, one that you're not good at right away, Mm -hmm. and one that you're going to have to learn as you grow, as Kayla Sharp taught us. But we have to be willing to do it. You have to be able to trust yourself, trust your talent. Mm -hmm. That same talent that let you go out and start your own mm-hmm. business, yeah. that same sense of adventure, mm-hmm. that needs to be utilized and leveraged, except for it'll be easier this time because you've already accomplished it once. Were you scared the first time you had to empower your first like employee under you? Like, were you scared, nervous, hyper, like micromanagement, like, ah, don't do this, but like, you know, talk about that. The good news for me, so it's Kevin Murphy, we've had him on the show. Shout out Kevin. Right? And Kevin's a top producer in the mortgage yeah, industry. Even in a year like this year, he'll still do his 140 units for probably 36 million. Mm -hmm. I hired out of a place of desperation. Mm -hmm. I had worked myself into being unhealthy. Mm -hmm. 
At the time I was closing 84 units a year on my own and I was managing three branches. So that was three branch managers. That was probably 15 LOs close to 300 million in, in production. It was two full-time jobs and I was, I was not doing anything well. So when I hired Kevin, I legitimately, I think I only paid him 30 grand too, cause all I could afford or we was willing to afford. But I legitimately said out loud, I don't care if I make $30,000 less this year, I just need help. I was eating fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, that's how unhealthy I was. I wasn't exercising, I wasn't going to the gym and it was wearing on me. Mm. So at that point, to answer your question, like honestly, Nah, because it couldn't get worse. Right, yeah. I wasn't willing to give up production. I wasn't willing giving up, to give up being a, a branch manager to three branches. So because I wasn't willing to give up, I was forced. And I, I'll tell a lot of loan officers this and realtors this. I'll say out loud, oh, you think you're busy? No, you're just not good. Mm. I mean, that whole like, you need to feel the pain in order to get better. You need to feel the heat in order to, I mean, how do you bend iron? You heat it up. Right. Okay. Well, how do you get better? You have to feel the friction, feel the pain, get hot, be bothered. It'll force you to find efficiencies. So when loan originators are closing four or five loans a month and they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm swamped. I'm swamped. I'm like, no, you're not good. No. What do you mean? I'm working hard. I'm doing these leads. Like you said, no, I'm close. I'm you are working really hard. Yeah. But you're just not good yet, which is okay. Like first you become effective, then you become efficient. So you're effective four to five closings a month in today's market with these loan sizes and these commission rates, that is effective. You're making a good living high five, but you're not efficient yet. So that person, I want them do seven a month. If you're doing seven a month and you're pulling your hair out, that means you're generating probably somewhere close to 30, 35 leads mm -hmm. a month. That means you're fielding X amount of pre-approvals. You're pulling X amount of credit. You're going on X amount of sales calls. Yeah. I would tell you at that point, you're going to flatline until you hire an assistant. Hmm. That's loan officers, realtors. I'm sure they have their own numbers. And I would guess for a realtor, it's probably somewhere close, right? If you you have three to four transactions a month, maybe you can use like a, an offsite transaction coordinator and mm -hmm. get by, you start doing six to eight transactions a month, you're going to need some kind of an assistant. Side question for you. Have you ever seen an, an example where a person took on uh, additional help or empowered someone too early in their career? Like, so yes. That's it. you it's, it's one of the biggest mistakes people make in business because they're not good and they're not willing to get good. I'll just they, hire it out. Farm yeah, it out. Yeah. I call it, they're throwing money at a problem hmm. and that doesn't, that, that, that problem doesn't go away with money. Now there are problems that go away with money. I have a pissed off client. You're, they're going to file a complaint. Well, can I step up to the plate and can I compensate them for their troubles and, and return that they now have a, a high client satisfaction. That's a problem I can throw money at, but me not being good at my job. No, I can't, I can't throw money at that. So what happens in that case? is that somebody doesn't want to work hard. Somebody doesn't want to embrace the suck. Somebody doesn't want to get better. Someone doesn't want to learn a new skill set they don't currently have. Mm -hmm. So they just hire someone. But who's going to train that person? Who's going to, who's going to inspect what they expect? What am I going to empower them to do? 
What am I going to trust that they're better at? How do I know they're better if I was never good at it? Mm-hmm. And usually that same mentality is a mentality in which laziness seeps in. So it could be a lazy person and they think they are more experienced than they are. They know better than they do. And it's like, oh, no, I'm scaling. Oh, no, I can pay someone to do that. I'm like, to a certain degree. It's, you know, it's the yin to the yang. Right. That is the balance. Right. And you and that balance isn't a, a linear straight line, right? It's it's a curvy line if you look at the yin yang. Right, right. That is the reason why the yin yang, the balance of good, evil, right. ugly, pretty. Right. It's it, it, there, There's no finite. Right. It needs to be S-curved is what right. I would call it when I'm looking at that, right. that, that yin yang. Right. What else you got for me? Because we're, we're talking about empowering people. We're talking about trusting others. Mm-hmm. And the reason behind it, we just discussed yeah. a little bit, well, when would I do it? Yeah. At what point? I think another thing that people aren't willing to do is the financial investment. You should only do it if you're going to get a ROI, a return on your investment. I'm paying this person X. So then I need to be able to measure well, how much revenue is coming in because of X. Now, sometimes you don't see any revenue for yeah. and you have to ask yourself, well, do I have them doing the wrong thing? Because hmm. if I had this person doing nothing but boondoggle activities, then I'm not going to see any revenue. Hmm. So if I'm hiring you, like if I'm a loan officer and I'm hiring my first assistant and this person doesn't know there's a T in mortgage, what I understand is there's three things that this person can do for me immediately out of the gate that's going to help me generate more revenue. What's that? First thing is pick up the phone every GD time it calls and be nice because I may be so busy right now with my six or seven closings a month and I'm missing phone calls. A missed phone call is a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Missed opportunity ends up being leakage and that leakage is units volume, which ends up being commissions. Mm -hmm. So that's first and foremost. The second thing that I'm probably not doing religiously is my TBD calls, my prospect follow-up. Am I or a member of my team picking up the phone every single day of every single week of every single month to follow up with people who have shown an interest in my service or my product. Mm-hmm. More than likely, I'm not. That is something that somebody who doesn't know there's a T in mortgage can do. Mm-hmm. They can pick up the phone. Now, I have to give them the list. I have to tell them what the script is. And yes, John, someone like you would be like, oh, my God, the hour I spent with that person, I could have just made 20 phone yeah, calls. Right. Yeah, but you spend one or two or three hours with them once so that they can make phone calls for weeks, months, years. You invest the time up front. You actually write out scripts. I don't need to write them out. They're all in my head. Well, for that person, you do. Well, that's the case. I could have made the phone calls myself. Yeah, but are you going to make the phone calls every day for the next 12 months yourself? No. Spend three to six hours developing that person to that skill set. Let them know what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. And then let them loose. Let them loose. You can't micromanage them. You can go behind them and call some of the people. And you can check in, hey, I just wanted to, to see, did my assistant reach out to you today? Did a member of my team reach out to you mm-hmm. to make sure they're doing their job? Mm-hmm. You can say, how did that conversation go? Did, were they helpful? You can elicit feedback. That's something you can do as a manager. So um, they can pick up the phone to be nice. They can dominate my TBD calls. This is for loan officers. This also applies to realtors mm-hmm. and most people in sales because a TBD us is a prospect. So they can do prospect follow-up. The third thing that they can do, and they don't need to know there's a T in mortgage, reach out to my past client database. Again, this goes for my buddy who owns his own dentistry, mm-hmm. kind of like toiletry, but not really. It's a dentistry. <laughs> right, right. This goes for my buddy who's over at Northwestern Mutual slinging life insurance. Right. 
This goes from my, my friend who's over at Keller Williams as a top producing realtor and so many other professions in between. When I'm hiring a sales support staff member, I'm trying to level up. I'm trying to prevent leakage. I'm trying to level up my game. Mm -hmm. Those are three things that I can do and a skill set into my industry is not required. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm going to do. I need to empower them, which means I need to spend time with them. And then I need to trust them to do the, the job that, that I've asked them to do, which will require some inspection of, of what was laid out as the proper expectations. Have you ever encountered a, a seasoned mortgage professional who just wanted to hold on too tight and didn't want to scale? And then they, what happens to those individuals? that Every day. All day, er day. Yeah, that's everywhere. That is rampant. All the way from Courtney and her caliber crew in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. all the way to our, our friends in Rhode Island. Shout out to Matt Fenster Shout and Matt. EJ Ward and that whole entire crew. Yeah. All the way down to our friends, Beth Cherry and Joe Dias and that whole crew in Fort Myers who's, who's putting their shit back together right now. Right. And in between, we legitimately have the bulk of salespeople are solopreneurs who think they're entrepreneurs who are paralyzed mm -hmm. at allowing someone else to do their functionality. And I think it's a minimalist mindset. I use this with the example of the, of the lawn care. Let me use it for the example of the loan officer. Okay. Oh my gosh, that realtor, she would never work with an assistant. Never. She's only going to work with me. My answer is, you may be right, or you may be crazy, or you just may be the lunatic we're looking for. Actually, Billy Joel said that, <laughs> but I would say you may be right. You also may be wrong. So let's consult with our buddy Pareto and say, you're going to be right 20% of the time. You're going to be wrong 80% of the time. You have to be okay. It's kind of like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be okay with these 20 realtors out of a hundred they may look a different way when they go to refer business. If it's not you picking up the phone, if it's not you attending the closing, if it's not you meeting with the client, if it's not you picking up their phone, yeah. But if you're good at what you do, can you replace those 20? Because if you have a junior loan officer and you have an LOA doing the bulk of the heavy lifting back at the office, you should be freeing yourself up for one reason. You're trying to scale. How do you scale a business with more sales and more marketing? Mm. Don't worry about the 20 you're going to lose because there's an opportunity cost out there. Mm. There's hundreds you're not gaining because you're petrified of losing 20. Right. Okay. Do your fourth grade math. That's actually second grade math. Okay. What number is bigger? Mm -hmm. 180 or 100. 180. So be willing to lose 20 if it means you can go out and gain an extra 100. You can't be short-sighted with, with, with your thoughts. And something else, I learned this firsthand. I sold my book of business to Kevin Murphy, right? We, we did this five-year handoff where he went from assistant to loan partner to junior LO to senior LO to team captain, and it's becoming his book of business. When that happened, there were realtors. Jennifer Perez picked up the phone and said, look, I love Kevin as your assistant. Mm. I don't love Kevin as the main point of contact, the main point of contact. Mm. All right, cool. Like there's nothing I can do about that. That those are her thoughts. Those are her feelings. Mm. I wasn't going to be like, oh, then I won't do this. 
I said, hey, Kevin, we're probably going to lose Jen's eight to 10 closings a year. Mm. We were, we, she's a top producing realtor at the time. Right. Right. We, we were partnering up on eight to 10 of her transactions on an annual basis. But what I found, there was realtors in our Rolodex of referral partners. They didn't send me shit. Mm. They liked me. They knew who I was. They welcomed me into any type of meeting they were having. But they didn't like me enough to work with me. Right. Maybe I was too arrogant. Maybe I was, I'm a high D. Mm-hmm. I'll run right through you. Yeah. Right. So maybe I wasn't passive enough. Right. Maybe I talked too much because I do. Whatever it was, when Kevin rolled in, all of a sudden. Holy shit. I love me some Kevin. Oh, yeah. 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 There's this local realtor in town. He's, I mean, this dude's an amazing professional. He's an appraiser. He's a top producing realtor. He's a broker. He owns his own, his own franchise. His name is Warren Gagne. I've known Warren since 2004 when I got in the business. Damn. Didn't close one transaction with Warren until Kevin took over. No way, bro. And now all of a sudden, Kevin and Warren, I mean, they go to car shows together. Kevin's doing personal loans for Warren's family. Wow. Yeah. It's, but if I had a minimalist mindset, I would have been talking to Jen Perez and been like, oh, uh, this ain't going to work. Yeah, you're right. No, this is going to work. I'm going to find a way to yes, because I trust the process. Mm -hmm. I also trusted mine and Kevin's efforts that whatever we lost could easily be re- Recouped. I like recouped. Yeah, replaced. Replaced, Replanted. And possibly better. This is what I love. All of these new clients and all these new realtors, they only know it this way. They only only know it as well. Dustin is more of a figurehead or a face. Mm -hmm. Most clients don't get a chance to talk to Dustin. Most clients are talking to Kevin or his loan partner, Cam. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they know. And they're cool with it because that's all they know. Mm-hmm. What, who was uncool? 20 out of 100. 20 out of 100. Even when past clients call. I, I mean, I tell them, oh, man, hey, what's going on? Hope there's, yeah. Hey, look, at this point, the bulk of my career is spent running Waterstone Mortgage. Plus, I had this really kick-ass podcast that I launched two and a half years ago with this cool-ass guy. My name is John <laughs> Coleman. It happens to be the number one podcast in our industry, and we're open to take it worldwide, at least stateside (laughs) worldwide. And we're hoping that it really replaces the stuff being put out by people like Clark Howard, Dave Ramsey, and Susie Orman. So if you need a home loan, I'm not the best person for you, although I was 10 years ago. But hey, look, there's this guy that worked on my team. Man, Mm. he's actually the man. He's one of the top producers. You want to talk to Kevin. Kevin and his team which is his, tra- his process of tracing his loan partner cam, they'll take great care of you. Mm. You know what my clients say after that? Oh, Dustin, good for you, man. That's awesome. I like knowing you before you were big time Mr. Podcast. <laughs> like legit, yeah, they yeah. would say something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they go to Kevin. Next thing you know it, it's 45 days later. I'm looking at commission reports. I see a name that I recognize. Damn. Kevin got paid. D.O. got paid. Cam got paid. Tracy got paid. Yeah. Like, holla. <laughs> like, life is good. All right. All because why? I was able to empower and trust. And I think anybody who is looking to grow any business, you have to recognize you can't do it alone. By that, I mean you need coaching. Mm. You need to join community groups that masterminds attend conferences. Like you can't do it alone also means you can't be everything. And if you if you are, no, you'll be stuck doing what you're doing mm-hmm. forever. It's Groundhog Day, baby. It is one of my favorite movies, by the way. Yeah. Andy McDowell was fine. Woo. Uh, she's a little bit long in the tooth these days. But <laughs> that movie with Bill Murray, yeah. oh, my God, did I have a crush on her. But it's, it ends up being Groundhog Day. If you want to get out of that, 
right? You want to break through that ceiling. You're going to have to learn to empower and trust. Well said. Hopefully, hopefully someone was inspired by this, John. I think they were. Yeah. If they're not inspired by this, maybe they'll hop on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you go to consume your audio listening podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and check out all the content we have. Go to the website, yeah. tloponline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. Yeah. If you want to connect, yes, you can do comments in YouTube and John and I do monitor those comments mm -hmm. and we do our best to provide feedback, to answer questions, add our own commentary, or you can communicate to us via the website. Mm -hmm. So tloponline.com as an entire community message board. Mm -hmm. Or if that's too hard, LinkedIn and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. If you want to actually get a hold of me, find me on LinkedIn, first name Dustin, last name Owen, or Instagram. Our Instagram handle, just like every other handle we have out there, is at the Loan Officer Podcast. Word. That is all the time we have for you today. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.